peace. We hear that word and we envision something without conflict. Peace involves that, but there's so much more. Peace is a restored state of wholeness. The birth of Jesus announces the arrival of peace and the death of Jesus creates peace with God. And when the angels proclaim peace on earth, the shepherds heard what our hearts long to hear that God is indeed restoring all of it to his original and glorious purposes. So may we experience that kind of peace. It's an invitation for every person and it's here now because Jesus is here now. This is peace. Welcome to Christmas. Hey, will you stand with me? We're going to look at uh, verses from Luke 2, verses 8 through 14 today. So if you'll just stand with me, you can read these along if you have your Bible with you or follow on the screen. Starting in verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased. Father, we thank you for this truth of Christmas, this invitation to peace, God. We thank you for this opportunity to press into your word and find the peace that you offer to all of us, to some measure now in this life, but also with the anticipation of finding it fully when we are in your presence for all eternity. And Lord, I just ask, if there's anything that's spoken this morning that's not the fullness of your truth, would you just let it fall to the ground, let it not take up root, but leave us in our hearts and mind, standing deeply in the fullness of your truth so that we can find this peace that surpasses all understanding in our daily lives. And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. And you can have a seat. So this week, we lit the candle of peace for Advent, And we find the promise of that peace that this candle represents here in Luke 2. Now here's the thing. We tend to think of peace as absence of conflict, right? Anybody else kind of feel that that's what peace is? If there's no problems in the world, then things are good. And it's true to some degree that peace is the absence of conflict. But here's the problem. When that's what we think the fullness of peace is, then we are in a position to actually begin to accept injustice for the sake of keeping the peace. So injustice gets a place to stay when we say, hey, I just absence of conflict, I need peace. But then we also can think of peace in terms of overcoming conflict, right? So if there's a conflict and we overcome it, we'll have peace. If we just conquer and defeat the things that threaten peace, then we'll have peace. Which in short really is to say to get peace, I have to sacrifice peace. Now here's the problem. I want us to see peace from God's perspective instead of our own worldview. Because the absence of conflict can be peace, 
And the overcoming of things that cause conflict can be peace, but there's something greater and deeper that's in these verses that's offered to us at Christmas time. And I think all of us have different definitions of peace, right? Financial security, I have peace. A good vacation, there's peace. A, a, an ocean with waves lapping as my feet are in the sand, then I find peace. And, and sometimes we think that peace means <clears throat> we can't say anything if it's going to cause a conflict. Sometimes if our view of peace is lack of conflict or the overcoming conflict, then I just have to keep my mouth shut, right? Just don't say anything and we'll have peace. And sometimes we think peace comes if I just avoid the disagreements. Let me just run away from the things that are struggling between us and difficulty so that there's no disagreement. Here's the problem with that. Many people are taken advantage of or hurt and broken or disregarded because of a false idea of peace. And so I want to reframe our concept of peace today based on what God says it is, not what we say it is. Because if we think the absence of conflict or the overcoming of disagreement is peace, then we may decide that we are in a position to be hurt or hurt others for the sake of peace. So long as there's no conflict, I just take it. And, and that's not what true peace is. And so I want us to find true peace today. Not so that we just feel better. That's, a, that's an advantage. That's something. That's a benefit. And we do want that. But more importantly, so that we can give it away. So that we can offer it to others. And so as we look into what is true peace today, I want to point out that peace, just like hope that we talked about last week, is a product of presence. The presence of Christ in us and with us is the only source of peace. And so that's what we need to be prepared to seek if we're going to pursue peace. And so I want to answer three questions for us this morning. One is, what is peace? I want us to get a good, solid, biblical definition of what peace is. The second thing I want to do is answer the question, how do we get peace? Because knowing what it is and not knowing how to get it doesn't do us any good. And the third thing, maybe the most important thing, the world-changing thing is this. How can we be charitable with peace? So those are the three things I want to look at this morning. And, and we, if you remember from last week, we're living in that space between the promise of peace given to the shepherds in Luke 2 at the first Christmas and the culmination of peace that's going to come in Revelation. And it can be hard to find clarity of what peace actually is because we know that whatever it seems to be now is not what it fully will be. So whatever we call peace now, as, as good as it is and as necessary as it is, it's not the fullness of the peace that we'll experience when we hit eternity in God's presence. And so listen to this description of what peace is, eternal peace, what it looks like. This is a description, not a definition. In Revelation 21.4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So the description of peace from Revelation 21 that we're all looking forward to is the absence of tears. It's the absence of death and of mourning and crying and pain because the former things have all passed away. Now, hang on to that description just for a second 
because we're going to revisit Luke 2, verse 14, to tie these things together. So verse 14 in Luke 2, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now here's the thing. The Greek word for peace in this passage is the word irene. And its proper meaning is actually wholeness. Having all essential parts joined together. Now we take that back to Revelation 21.4. Tears, death, mourning, crying, and pain are no more because the former things have passed away which should beg the question, well, what are the former things? Now, I'm going to connect all these dots. Go back and think back to the fall in Genesis 3, and you see the beginning of what is called the former things in Revelation 21. Those things are things like shame and guilt and separation and death. Now, knowing that peace in Luke 2 is wholeness, Knowing that in Revelation 21, we'll have peace because all these things will be gone. Knowing that in the fall in Genesis 3, the separation from God actually moved us from wholeness with God to being fragmented apart from God. And there's our lack of peace. The lack of peace we have is because in the beginning we were whole with God in his presence and at the fall we became fragmented apart from God. So Revelation 21 resolves that by bringing God's presence to us, which is the message of Christmas. God with us. And in his presence we are made whole. So what is peace? Peace is being whole in God. It's not simply absence of conflict. It's not simply no disagreements in our world. But the fullness of peace that we will experience in Revelation 21.4, when the final Christmas is culminated, is our wholeness in God. So now I want to go back to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, listen to this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. What we see then is that the peace of God inaugurated at the first Christmas, inaugurated in the manger, and culminated at the last Christmas in Revelation 21 is wholeness. It is being fully who we were made to be in the presence of God. And so if we define peace in terms of wholeness instead of a lack of conflict or instead of overcoming conflict, then conflict avoidance under the guise of peace can actually cost us wholeness. So if I say I want to avoid conflict at all costs, I may actually be moving out of wholeness in God and moving towards a lesser view of peace. Because the invitation that's in Revelation 21 is actually way more than simply the absence of sadness or tears or conflict. The peace of Revelation 21 is in this. It is in delighting in the riches of the very joy of God shared with us. 
It is the realization of Matthew 25, 21, when Jesus says, enter into the joy of your master. Because the joy of our master is what was lost in the fall. Do you see that? And once that was lost, we lost all peace. There was no peace for us. We were no longer whole in the presence of God. And so Jesus at Christmas pronounced through the angels where the angels say, peace is here, is because Christ as a baby begins the process of making us whole again in God's presence that will culminate in Revelation 21. And so peace is way more than just not having tears or not having to go to funerals or not being sad anymore or not feeling pain. It's way more than just the absence of a conflict. And if we think that's all it is, then we will be content settling for the lesser gift, which is simply I don't fight with you and you don't fight with me. So what's peace? Peace is being made whole in the very presence of God and delighting in his immeasurable and unfathomable joy forever. Now we have to deal with the next question. How do I get that peace? Well, listen to verses 13 and 14 in Luke 2 because they answer that. But before we go there, I want to go back to verse 9. Because we need to see the magnitude of this. And so listen to verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Did you notice that? An angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds to tell them that the Messiah had been born. And where to find them? One angel appeared to announce that the Messiah is here. And that was huge news for Israel. They'd been waiting centuries for this. And yet it only took one angel to deliver the good news. Now we can go back to verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying. Did you catch that? The news of the birth of Jesus is so magnificent and so overwhelming that although it only took one angel to announce it, it took a multitude of angels to respond to it. One angel said it. A multitude was necessary for the appropriate response to the glory of God in the birth of Jesus. Now, do you think maybe our response is lacking? If it took a multitude of angels to respond to the glory of God in the birth of Jesus, maybe maybe we need to ramp up our response a little bit. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, but I think that understanding the level of praise the angels offered to God is critical for us if we're going to get the peace of God in our hearts and our minds. And here's why. Listen to verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. So the multitude of angels shows up to respond to the news that Jesus is born, and their response is glory to God in the highest, and peace among those with whom he is well pleased. 
the angel's pronouncement response, the speaking of God's glory in response to the birth of Jesus connects our peace to God's glory. You see it? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. And that should help us. That should help us see that we will find peace when we glorify God. That's it. You want peace? Give God glory. That's what the angel's response is. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Because here's the truth, here's the reality. A heart of praise is a heart at peace. If your heart is settled in praising God, it will be at peace. If your heart is in conflict resolution, you might have peace for a minute, but it's going to go because another conflict's going to come up. If your heart says, if I avoid conflicts, I'll have peace. You might for a minute, but you can't avoid them all. It will come back. And so we get this. Peace to those with whom he is well pleased. And what is it exactly that pleases God? Well, it's praise. Because it's proper and right to give him praise. So the birth of Jesus is the greatest revelation of God in the history of all creation. And Jesus will bring peace first to God's people who praise him. And eventually the entire world will be filled with his peace. Listen to this in Isaiah 9, 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. As his rule increases, his peace will increase. And so as a result, we get this dynamic that Pastor John Piper describes this way. These are the great purposes for the coming of Jesus. Glory ever ascending from man to God. Peace ever descending from God to man. God's glory sung out among men for the sake of his name. God's peace lived out among men for the sake of his name. But do you see what the common thread in there is? God's name. Our praise is for the glory of his name. Our peace is for the glory of his name. So glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among those with whom he is well pleased. So how do we get peace? Give God all glory. That's simple enough. There's none of us in this room that can't do that if we humble our hearts. If we're willing to say, I'll give you the glory I've been trying to grab for myself. I want to be glorified. But if we'll say, no, it's all about you. I'll glorify you in all things. Because a heart of praise is a heart at peace. Now I want to get to how do we charitably share this peace and so peace is being made whole in the very presence of God in delighting in the immeasurable and unfathomable joy of our master for all eternity. That's what peace is. We can get a taste of it now, but it will ultimately be culminated when we are in his presence. And when, how do we find peace? We find peace when we glorify God. A heart of praise is a heart at peace. Now we finally, we need to look at how we can be charitable with peace. Because remember, we talked last week, charity is actually giving of myself. It's not simply giving, it's giving of myself. So therefore, in order to be charitable with peace, I have to have peace. 
If it's not who I am, I can't offer it as charity. The best I can do is help you structure a life where you might find it randomly, but I can never purposefully give it to you if I don't have it. So just like to be charitable with hope, I have to have hope. If I'm going to be charitable with peace, I have to have peace. If true peace is being made whole in God, then the first act of charity in regards to sharing my peace is to be made whole by God. We have to seek that. We have to desire that. So let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 5.23 that we read earlier. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and make your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to verse 24. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. The peace of God is wholeness in him, and he is the only one who faithfully makes us whole. And just like with hope that we saw last week, peace comes from the presence of God. So, to be charitable with the peace of God then is to share the presence of Christ in us generously with others. And our peace increases as we glorify God. So more glory to God, more peace in your life, more peace to give away. It's a simple equation. More glory to God, more peace in your life, more peace to give away. That is a world-altering equation if we would press into it. Think about that. Think about how that cycle could change our community so that people aren't disregarded and on the fringes, so that people aren't pushed out, so that people aren't walking in conflict constantly. And it all starts with us going, God, I'm going to give you more glory in my life because I know that a heart of praise is a heart at peace. Now listen to what Paul says, this peace produces in us what it turns us into. In Romans 12, 14 through 18, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. All right, some of us just got lost right there, right? I, don't, I want peace, but I don't want the kind of peace that convinces me to bless those who curse me. They need to pay. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Yes, I have no problem going to the party to celebrate the anniversary, but I'm not going to the funeral. I don't want to weep with you. I just want to rejoice with you. There's better cakes at birthdays than there are at funerals. I'll go to the birthdays. Live in harmony with one another. Well, I can do that up until the degree that you begin to encroach on my space. Then harmony is you getting out of my way. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Wait, you're telling me, God, you're going to turn me into the kind of person who's going to hang out with those who can do absolutely nothing for me? I don't think so. I have an agenda and a plan. Never be wise in your own sight. That one hurts. Because we love to look at ourselves and say, I'm smarter than everybody else. I know. Because when I do that, it allows me to dismiss those who come against me. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That's a hard one. 
It's a hard one because here's what happens oftentimes. We decide that my peace with you depends on me all the way to the extreme. So I go, if I'm going to have peace with you, it's all on me. You can do whatever you want, but I'm going to bring peace into this. And we live in these cycles of codependency, and we disguise it as spiritual growth. I'm living at peace with everyone. Why? Because you're codependent. You're codependent. God never intended you to be dishonored by the evils and the wrongs of another person. He intended you to live in the fullness of peace with his, his wholeness. We'll get there, trust me. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Now that I can sign up for. I don't have to avenge myself, but I'm going to kind of get a front row seat and watch God's wrath pour on you. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Oh, man, and then goes the wrath thing. I don't even get that now. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by, doing, uh, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. These verses tell us what a person of peace looks like. A person of peace blesses and doesn't curse. They rejoice and weep with those who are doing the same. Lives in harmony, associates with the lowly, isn't puffed up doesn't repay evil with evil, and is honorable with all. A person of peace lives at peace with everyone as much as it depends on them. They don't seek vengeance. They care for their enemies, and they overcome evil with good. That is what it looks like to be made whole by God. That is what true peace is. Now, here's the most important part especially if you revisit the comments about codependency. Listen to this. Peace is being so whole and so well in Christ that I feel no compulsion to overcome the wrongs done to me. Peace is being so whole and so well in Christ, I can stand before the world the way Jesus did and say, do with me what you will, but you will get nothing out of me. I won't offer wrath. I won't offer hate. I won't offer vengeance. I won't offer judgment. I won't put you down. I won't deny you food. I won't deny you drink. Because you have no, there's nothing you can take from me. Because all I have is in him. Does that make sense? Do you see why when we're whole in Christ, we can live a life of peace that leaves us with no compulsion to try to fix somebody else? or to get a certain thing. Instead, we just offer peace charitably. You want a picture of what that looks like? Think about Jesus on trial. That's what it looks like. Think about Jesus going to the cross. That's what it looks like. Think about Jesus standing before Pilate and going, you know what? You think you're in control, but what you fail to see is the only reason you have any power over me is because it's been given to you by my Father. So I'm under no compulsion to answer you in any way, shape, or form, nor am I under compulsion to fight against you or to run from you. And so if you want to be a person of peace, understand that peace is not the absence of conflict, but it is standing with God in every conflict because he has made you whole. That's freedom. Peace comes from giving glory to God, praising God as a lifestyle, not as a weekly event or some seasonal activity. 
A heart of praise is a heart at peace. Then we can be people who serve our neighbors generously by being charitable with the peace of Christ that's in us. And so I have two things I want to invite you into this week, two practices. The first is this, glorify God in all things. You want peace, give God glory. Simple enough. Glorify God in all things. Intentionally see the glory of God in all things, in the sunsets and in the meals you eat and in the family members that are around you and in the sports that you play and your friends at school and your coworkers, the job you do, the car you drive. Whether you think it's good or bad, in your perspective, give God the glory for it and you're going to find peace. The second thing I want to ask you to do is very practical. See, we as a church have begun to commit to participating with Lambton College to share the good news of Christ with our neighbors there by being present and available to students at Lambton, sharing the peace of Jesus that's in us with, this, with them. And you can participate in that this Christmas season through a program that The Rock the Christian ministry at Lambton is put together. It's a program called A Home for the Holidays. It's pretty simple, really. You get an opportunity to partner with Lambton and invite an international student into the hope and peace of Christmas in your world by hosting them in some of your Christmas traditions. It could be that you just invite them to come over for an evening of decorating and baking. It could be that you go on your annual family ice, ice skating outing and they come with you or an invitation to Christmas dinner, I'd hope that the invitation would include an opportunity to come to our Christmas Eve services with you. But it is simply about being charitable with the hope and peace that you have in Christ. You can get more information by scanning the QR code on the slide behind me. We're also going to have it on the Facebook page where there's a link you can click and, and go sign up. But this is coming to an end tomorrow. So I would love for us to step in and say, hey, we're going to host an international student during this holiday season. But this is a great way to be charitable with the peace of Jesus to people who may not know it. Many of our international students that come here don't know of Christ. They come from cultures and places where he's not part of the culture the way he is here in North America. So this is an opportunity for you to share the person of Christ, the peace of Christ, the hope of Christ with somebody who may not know it. And you know what? It may be something that actually turns into a lifestyle instead of just an event, a lifestyle of sharing the peace of Christ with others. Father, we're so grateful, so, so grateful that you give us a true picture of what peace is and that it's wholeness in you. And Lord, we know that when you are the source of our identity, when our identity is rooted in you, Lord, there's nothing that can shake it. The desire for vengeance and correctness and the compulsion to, to respond to those who hurt us in destructive ways, to just fall away. The ability to love and serve our enemies it's enhanced in us when we are whole in you. And so, God, that's what peace is, and that's what we desire, and that's what we seek, Lord. And we just ask that you would make us whole in you, that we may live into the peace of Christ, 
that we celebrate at this Christmas season, but we may live into it as a lifestyle year-round. And we ask all that in his name. Amen.